wrath, envy, covetousness, gluttony. So it is a story we keep telling over and over and over again because there's never not human desire. The Simpsons did an entire you know segment on on you know Homer selling his soul for a donut. Welcome to Around River City. I'm Ken Cooper. You just heard some comments from Greg Parmeter and Nick Delar. They are two educators and artists that help make our UWL theater department incredible. We're going to talk about the department and sort of introduce you to what kind of fun there is for the entire community, thanks to the UWL theater department. And we'll also talk a lot about their latest production, Dr. Faustus. Anybody sold their soul to the devil recently? Nick is the director of that play, and that's where we'll begin the conversation right after this on Around River City. Yeah, so Dr. Faustus by Christopher Marlowe uh, opens Friday the 13th, which is the absolute perfect night to be... It's and, and it was totally not on purpose either. I didn't even realize it until fairly recently <laughs> that it... That that is our opening night, and why it's so perfect is because this is a classic make a deal with the devil story ah. that we are staging as the biggest sort of spooky, creepy, gothic horror take just in time for Halloween okay. that we can muster. It sounds I've got a little chill just thinking about it. I, nice. It is going to be so gnarly cool, and and just a little. Uh, Little backstory, even farther. Marlowe was a like a, almost a contemporary of Shakespeare. He a little was. older, right? Maybe he yeah. was a contemporary of Shakespeare. Um, and he, they would have had basically parallel careers, but Marlowe was killed in a bar um, in his twenties. Okay, <laughs> and so um, obviously, you know, yeah, he's dead, stabbed um, in the eye. But he was he was uh, more or less uh, the leading playwright ahead of right before Shakespeare, um, really, his career began to take off as a writer. The Dr. Faustus type has become uh, something that we all know. You know, we all understand what that character means. Oh, God, yeah, and we've, we've, seen, we've seen the story of Faustus invade all manner of, of media um, for hundreds of years, yeah. right? I mean, even The Simpsons did an entire you know, segment on, on the Treehouse of Horror. You know, with I the think same Shakespeare kind of, and Marlowe, getting back to our other conversation, would, would love something the like The Simpsons oh, yeah. and oh. appreciate that biting satire. Oh, yeah. No, I, I tell my classes when we, when we cover Shakespeare in my uh, theater priest class that that's what Shakespeare would be doing if, yeah. he, if he was alive, is that, that kind of stuff. And he would elevate it. Yeah. He would elevate it. So but, anyway, I interrupted you. So there's, yeah. they did a, a whole oh, yeah, no, episode. The whole, uh, the whole a segment about you know Homer selling his soul for a donut, right? And it's just like, <laughs> you see this, you know, the devil went down to Georgia, right? Yeah. The song, right. it's the story of Faustus. Just the difference with that one is that you know the devil loses in this one, not so much. Right. And don't tell us know. too much. <laughs> four hundred years old. I, oh, okay. I yeah. think, there I are no spoilers no, no, anymore. Four hundred year old play, um, but you know, also you know. Little Shop of Horrors is a Faustian tale oh, yeah, where Seymour Krellborn basically sells his soul, his his humanity, to get fame, and he sells it to a plant. In this case, that that, and he wants the girl, and he does all these horrible things because the plant says, "I can get you that," right? And so it's fundamentally a story about temptation and desire and what people are willing to do to get what they want. 
and the price of those desires and giving in to those temptations. Um, Little Mermaid, that's another one. Ursula the Sea Witch is absolutely the devil in that tale, and Ursula uh, Ariel gives her voice away very metaphorically and literally literally then yeah. damn um, yankees is a direct adaptation yeah. of faustus so it is a story we keep telling over and over and over again because there's never not human desire but what changes are the details of what it is what is desired for each new era right little shop of horrors he wants fame right uh Dr. Faustus wants knowledge, and it's what he gives up is his soul. That Marlowe wrote this at basically the height of the Reformation, right? When we have this major schism, and all of a sudden, between the Catholic Church and all of these new other kinds of churches, all of a sudden, authority is split for the first time in centuries. Who actually can tell you where your soul is going? After you die, where does knowledge come from, if not from some sort of authority? And Marlowe is very, very interested in these questions, partly because he was super educated for his time period um, and was a scholarship kid, basically, where he he, um, came from a pretty average background, but managed to, by sheer luck, end up at major schooling institutions, end up with a master's degree. And so he's thinking about all of these things, and he puts them on stage because it becomes a viable way for him to communicate Hmm. and make a living. So you're both teachers. (laughs) (laughs) What was your first clue? (laughs) How do you teach your students? Because this is a production done by UWL students. Correct. On stage. I'm guessing the character of Dr. Faustus isn't 18. No. How how do they get the life learning to embody that? Right. That's a great question. There's a couple things to say about it. One, um, first of all, is that Dr. Faustus actually isn't that much older than the students. He, uh, back then, um, his studies would have been, he's, he's just finished his, Doctorate, okay. okay, and so he's he's genuinely not that much older, a little bit older, but nevertheless, um, nevertheless, he definitely has experience that our students don't have in a lot of the other characters too, and and to speak nothing of, you know, there's characters who are demons <laughs> in this yeah. play. We have yeah. Lucifer himself on stage. So how do you actually <laughs> teach someone to be Satan <laughs> or, or <specifically laughs> to be Lucifer convincingly? Be well, the ball, right? Danny. Be um, the ball. One is um, to to strip that away and think about things like, what does this character in this moment want? And start there, and then think about, okay, how do they go about trying to get what they want? And it's always, in terms of acting, about working with your scene partner, even if that scene partner is the audience, mm. right? If you're alone on the stage and talking to the audience. Um and so we, I, I, I ask them questions like, um, all right, so where does Dr. Faustus find himself mentally at the start of this scene? What has just happened right before it? What is he after? How is he feeling about what's just happened? Where's he at? And we start from there, and we just talk about the character as if it's not them, and then we say, okay, let's try that and see what happens. And then I tell them what I see, 
and we have a dialogue until we sort of find, like Greg has said, what's right for that moment through that actor's body and their perspective and experiences. Because you can't divorce, you can't divorce the self from the character. The character comes through the self. What's what's impressed you about this cast? So much. One of the major things is embracing the old-timey language. This is a play from Shakespeare's mm-hmm. time, so... Is it written like Shakespeare? Is it... Ish. Yeah, okay. close enough that, yeah. that if, if what you're used to is, is hearing Shakespeare, if you go see Shakespeare, this will sound like Shakespeare. A general audience will... A general audience will... People will probably think it's Shakespeare, it. and I bet right. you that pisses right. Marlowe off. Yes. It, uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and that's actually a whole other yeah, conversation yeah, yeah. where oh, there's yeah. a conspiracy theory that right, Marlowe sure, was right, actually Shakespeare, right, right. blah, blah, blah. That's my favorite um, of the of the Of the, of the conspiracy, conspiracy of theories. The, of the who was Shakespeare, yeah. yeah. Um, it's a challenge because no one speaks like that. No one spoke like that back then either. It's what we call heightened reality. It's not supposed to be realism. And so what you know, people like Greg and I have in our back pocket is all sorts of ways of handling that language so that they can process it and communicate it clearly, not only in terms of diction, but the emotional psychological content of it too they've really embraced the method that i um have laid out for them some of them have had craig's class that is specifically devoted to this sort of language um, but not all of them have and so um as a teacher i work with them so that they have some tools in their mm-hmm. tool belt so to speak to um approach it and from day one they just leapt into it and they had to <laughs> to be um distant from it would have divorced their own self from it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so much of it is so crystal clear. I can't wait for to hear audiences leave and say, wow, I can't believe I understood it. <laughs> yeah, I've always thought, right. like, uh, I'll just use, sorry, Mr. Marlowe, but I'll use Shakespeare as an no, example. Much more we're m- much more, we're familiar with that type of writing when it's, when it's Shakespeare, but I have found it, I've been able to comprehend the meaning much easier when I hear it than when I read it. Oh, God, yeah, reading Shakespeare's terrible. Because he didn't, he, he didn't write to, yeah, to be, be read. read. He read. His, he wrote to be, heard. to be heard. His collected works were not published until after his death. Seven right? years. Yeah. yeah. And Marlowe is much the same way. Most of his stuff did not appear until after his death in writing, um, in published writing. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Shakespeare, Shakespeare was writing words for actors to speak, not scholars to study. Yeah. Yep. And I, and I think sometimes. Um, Shakespeare scholarship is wonderful in so many ways, and it's opened up so many doors to understanding not just Elizabethan theater, but the Elizabethan world. But it also has been very successful in creating barriers between audiences and Shakespeare and Marlowe and Kidd and the other great playwrights of the era. Um, you have to remember, first and foremost, Shakespeare was writing for the people, right? They were writing for the people that could afford to come to a play in the middle of the day because they were unemployed and illiterate in many ways. So these words that are spoken, they, they were written for the common man, and often they're low ideas. I often tell you, yeah. Shakespeare loves nothing so much as a penis joke, and they're all over the place because that's what the audience demanded, and he was able to use that as an avenue in to elevate the human condition and make this you know, common, guttural sense 
of everyday life into poetry, into something divine. Um, but he was writing for actors, and that's why I said when you're when you're struggling with it, remember he was writing this because an actor would enjoy saying it. Hmm. One thing that. I guess uh, makes me different than Shakespeare is for me it usually just ends up being a dick joke. Yeah, just there's no elevation <laughs> of it uh, when I when it when it's from me. So, Gray, you tell me why is a production like Doctor Faustus and why is a program that creates that type of work important for us, all of us, the ones who uh, for well, for the community? Why is that important to have this? Gosh, that, that's the million-dollar question, because it comes to the heart. You didn't think this would be easy, did you? No, no. no. <laughs> it comes down to the heart and nature of theater, um, and it's why we do any play. And that, that really is because theater is an exploration of the human condition. Oscar Wilde said it best, and, and my favorite quote about theater is always, Oscar Wilde, I regard the theater as the greatest of all art forms, because it's the best way that we, as human beings, can share with one another the sense of what it is to be a human being. Right, and theaters are sitting around the fire at the end of the day, trading stories about the day's hunt, or lying about the size of the fish that we caught, or entertaining one another about these 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 things and these ideas that happen. And so we have a department at UWL, our theater and dance department, is really centered in that idea of not just training actors in the art of doing theater, not just training designers in the act of creating a costume or a set, but in telling a story about the human condition and therefore contributing something to humanity. And so when we put on a play like this, part of it is, is to meet the educational needs of our students, but also because there's greatness in these works. There are these truly beautiful and complicated ideas that when we approach them from different angles, we find something about ourselves. And when you can share that with the audience, you always have the opportunity to touch an audience member, right? To reach out across time and space and connect with that person and have them go, what have I traded to get what I want, what happened to my integrity, or to look at it and say, oh, my God, I've missed out on something. Maybe I do need to pick up and read this play. There's always an opportunity to create a greater understanding of humanity. And if we're doing the arts purely for entertainment, if we're doing the arts purely because it's a business, we're missing so much of what we can do, right? The greatest entertainment is the entertainment that touches people, that inspires them, challenges them, that makes them weep and laugh out loud. And when you look at how we've put together our season as a whole, that's what we're doing. We're, we're, we're opening with something that's, that's, that's dark and, and seductive, if you will, and bloody and exciting, right? And then we go to a show that explores some very dark themes like, you know, uh, domestic abuse and mental health in a way that's going to make you laugh so much that your ribs hurt. That's Fuddy Mears. And then to come back with a play like The Wolves, which is one of the most beautiful and interesting and powerful stories about what it is to be a teenage girl in America in this day and age in this environment. We're exploring three facets of humanity all within the space of three months and these young actors. And sometimes just a chance to say, hmm, you know, I had, you know, you see something, you're like, I hadn't thought of that or I hadn't seen it that way. Sometimes that little, just the, hmm, starts something. Oh, yeah. Person. yeah. And sometimes it's just really cool. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's okay to be wild, it's right? Okay just to, to be just have I just, fun. Yeah, it really is. Um, because it is entertainment, right? Um, and that's not, you know, to denigrate high art, quote-unquote, or anything like that. Because I often think theater is, more often than not, doing both. Um, and I find stuff that is complicated and mind-bending, in fact, quite entertaining. What's your favorite part of the production of Dr. Faustus? What's your, uh, what are you guys doing that's, you know, we talk about being wild. What's, is there anything that, a scene that might wow us that we should look out for? Oh, now we're getting into the spoiler territory. Okay, right? well, no, okay. But, but, but I can tease, I can tease this out okay. a little bit. I am excited for audiences to be surprised. <laughs> and I'm excited for them to be surprised by a number of ways. One is the clarity in which we are telling the story, the how fresh and modern it's going to feel despite the old language. I am also thinking our wow factor, we have some special effects up our sleeves. Um, there's going to be a lot of blood. Yeah, There's going to be a lot of blood in this production. So um, that's also something that audiences should know going in. And as many people, I think, will be as interested in that as might be turned away from that a little sure. bit. Um, yeah. We've got some pyrotechnic-type stuff going on in this show. Um, it sounds like a, it's, it's a great show. It's going to be great, big, and fun. Yeah. Um, so I've been to a few rehearsals in and out. And, yes, and just to shout out, Greg oh. has staged some fights in the show that are so fun and exciting. Yeah, they're pretty cool. <laughs> but the times I've come to rehearsal, what's really excited me most about the project is I walk into the rehearsal room and I walk onto the stage and the cast is just having so much damn fun. I have found more often than not, even when it's a heavy drama, when when I can see that the cast is having fun, when I can see that there's joy in the work, that's going to translate into performance. And so it's infectious. Because yeah. like you walk in, and even if you're not feeling great, when they're excited, when they're up, you're like, okay, yeah, we've got something really wonderful happening here. And I'll just add to it, because now I, now I have a specific part that I can share, I okay. think, that, that <laughs> won't be too spoilery, but one of my favorite scenes is when um, they summon the seven deadly sins from hell, <laughs> and they're characters that manifest on stage, and so my actors get to think about, what does pride move like? What does pride sound like? Wrath, envy, covetousness, gluttony. What lechery? What do these, and how <laughs> how does lechery move about? And I know I'm in an, you know, a vocal medium right now, but I'm I'm twisting my mind. Yes, you, you, you <laughs> do look claw. very lecherous. Your hands do. Your, your hands are <laughs> claw-like right now. So, um, that's been really fun to work with the actors to find out what those vocabularies are and to work too with our, um, uh, our costumes are going to just be so wickedly fun. And each time one of these sins appears, it's going to look different and weirder and creepier than the last. Um, uh, wow. We, are, the, we, the, we the, are blessed with such great costume designers at UWL. Joe Anderson and, and Michelle Collier are our customers, and they're both outstanding at what they do. And this is the kind of show that they just love to eat on. <laughs> they <laughs> get to do their most fun, best work. And our, we have a, a joint um, 
scenic design team with this one where they're creating the sets for this world, um, a student, August Jennings, and faculty member Mandy Colby, um, have just created this this gothic world that <laughs> drips, it screams Halloween time, and we're doing some things with our space um, that we haven't done in a very, very long time, or ever, maybe? Uh, yeah, um, a little bit of both. Uh, yeah. I, I, when people walk into the theater, I, th- I think they're going to be... Well, pleasantly surprised, maybe just a little bit shocked at, at mm. some of the things that we are doing with the architecture and in the space. I mean, I, I'm looking forward to it. Here's what I'm looking forward to. We live within walking distance of UWL. I'm so excited for the three of us, uh, me and my, my wife and my daughter, who's 14, to walk to the play. And then we get to walk home in the dark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. You shouldn't be too scared. Oh, it's no. okay. Don't, but don't it'll say be, that. It'll be. It'll it's, be. It'll be fun. It's fun. It's a fun kind of. It's, it's always a safe space. Yeah, it's it's like delightful. Yeah. And and I've been telling the actors from the get go, we can't take this too seriously, or when the audience begins to laugh, it will crush your soul. And I'm going to tell you right now, the audience is going to laugh, not because things are bad or corny or hokey or f- like ostensibly funny, but because it's delightful. Mm-hmm. When you see these characters that are just so um, kind of over the top and unrealistic. And, well, and, and laughter is a release of tension. It is. Oh, and yes. that's the other thing, too. There can be nervous laughter that swells into hysteria, right? Yeah. Um, and we're expecting a little bit of that, too. Yeah. Greg, how is lacrosse, in your opinion, as, a, as a, an, artist, an artistic creative community? The best I've ever been in, and and people ask me this question all the time, because Mandy and I first came to town uh, to work at the community theater. She was the costume designer, and I was artistic director at the community theater for nine years. And this is the only place that I've ever lived where I haven't had to explain or defend what I do for a living. The moment Hmm. you tell people that you do theater here, there's an understanding of it in a different way. And part of it is because we have two stellar theater programs in this community. We have the best community theater easily in the state of Wisconsin and probably the region. People have been exposed and in many ways spoiled by good theater here for a very long time. And you look at all the small companies. We talked about a gray area earlier, who just full of wonderful artists with a passion for what they do. Um, we're blessed here. Maybe my advice would be if you hear about something happening on a stage... Uh, even a theoretical stage, stage, uh, check it out. Take a chance. Yeah, and there's there's always so much. There's a lot. There's yeah, so there's there's, they're getting ready to open Fiddler at at LCC. Viterbus getting ready to do Forty Second Street. We've got Doctor Faustus in the pipeline. Plus, we're all already in rehearsals for our mm. next shows. It's just there's always something to do. It's always good theater, and and supporting any one of those organizations is good for all of us. I mean, yeah. it builds that yeah. audience. It builds that sense of the art. So yeah, not. Get out and buy a ticket. Go see a show. I'd love it if it's Dr. Faustus, but go see a show. Nick, your final thoughts on your production? Oh, come, come to our show. <laughs> Boy, I know that, that's a, that's that sounded very uh, Satan, satanic, actually. Come so. to our show. No, um, <laughs> no, seriously, it's going to be an evening of theater, probably unlike any kind of theater you've attended before. Between the heightened language of the Shakespearean era to the spectacle and the spooktacular thing we're doing with it, you're going to feel and experience things you've probably never experienced before. Come check it out. 
you won't regret it. How do we find out more about uh, who, who's got the good information? <laughs> How do I find out more? The best way is to go to UWL's website and look up the Department of Theater and Dance. And that takes you right to our box office page. And best to buy tickets online. It's the quickest, easiest, most efficient way to get tickets is to buy online. Nobody likes to wait in the line in the box yeah. office before show. So go to uwlax.edu and just type in theater in the search bar and that's going to take you right to our to our homepage with the box office button right on it that's going to be the easiest way well guys I cannot tell you what a fun conversation this has been for me it's been it's great. great yeah I yeah. love this thank you yeah break a leg thank you very much want to say thanks to Greg Parmeter and Nick Delar, both from the UWL theater department for talking about the department and their latest production Dr. Faustus and by the way Nick Greg and I got into a, a pretty good conversation about the theater I didn't realize what a theater nerd I am, but I love it, and I loved our conversation. We talk about everything from why do you project so differently on the stage? Why do you do certain things with an accent? How important is the theater in general to uh, us as human beings? If you're a theater nerd, even if you don't want to talk about it publicly, you're invited to join us for part two of this conversation with Greg and Nick. That'll be our next episode of Around River City. I'm Ken Cooper. Thanks for being a part of the conversation.